Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Paul, what's going on? Nice haircut. Man, we're always talking about your hair. What's up with that? <laughs> you know, I never know what she's going to do. And uh, I think she thought that I needed to be, uh, you know, cleaned up a little bit because it I could almost comb the sides. That's how long it was. Yeah, that's how that's like right here. I haven't had drill for uh it'll be like six weeks in between drills this time. So yeah. I don't cut it until drill week. So what do you get? What do you spend up there for a haircut? Thirty. Thirty. That's what I spend. Plus tip. Uh, and this is just like a you know, my barber just a dude, he's got two seats in his barber shop. He only cuts men's hair. I'm pretty confident. I don't I don't think I never see women there or any female names in his book but um yeah man 30 used to be like a primo haircut now it's just a standard yeah. haircut i remember i went to san diego tdy back in 2011 and i got a haircut there and i spent i thought she i think it was 25 to 30 dollars i remember thinking back then man i only pay like eight bucks at fort hood i know i remember <laughs> it was like seven dollars for a haircut and you tip them like two bucks to be nice yeah yeah like, oh, yeah, it's outrageous. Jeez, dude. Yeah. Well, um, I was just showing you, I'll share this story with the crowd. I was just showing you that that giant gash in my the front of my nugget here. Uh <laughs> luckily <laughs> under my hair. So, you know, behind yeah. my hairline, but I was uh celebrating a buddy's Air Force retirement in New Hampshire this weekend and um I had a door kicked open right onto my head. <laughs> sounds about uh, right what are the chances and it yeah gushing blood everywhere and um but like i told you i got the expert opinion of a couple pilots who said i didn't need stitches so i didn't get stitches i think it's gonna be fine yeah yeah luckily it's it's underneath the hair so not on the face under the hair ruin yeah. that face yeah oh, no right good thing most yeah. people listen to us on uh you know on audio only they're not yeah to me well there's a fair amount on YouTube. There's guess, a growing but, amount on YouTube. In fact, I was talking to a guy this weekend. I told him about the podcast, and he immediately looked it up on YouTube. Yeah. He was a young guy, though. I mean, you're talking you know, probably in their 20s or, or very close to 30, maybe. But yeah, I think that's uh, it's a demographic thing. So I'd say last time I checked, about 15% view on YouTube. So about 15% of you know what Paul's hair looks like every week. Um, so you guys can can attest to that yeah, if you, you haven't seen it, it you guys need to get on youtube and check this guy out so he is high <laughs> speed low drag yeah 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 it's looking good <laughs> thick, yeah, it though. Is. how thick that is you can even see my scalp you can see your scalp uh, you can't on top yeah you got no hair. on top it's thick yeah all right well enough of that uh, paul mitchell but uh let's uh let's get on to something worth listening to um we I don't think we've discussed this topic before, but uh, we thought we might hit on laddering, laddering policies. Might be a couple of different definitions of that, um, but the one we're going to talk about is so there is a a small 
fan base out there, I, I suppose you could call it, um, or, you know, in, in the IBC world that likes the ladder policies. Um, so what they do, and Paul, you can, you can expand on this, but essentially what they're doing is loading these policies. You got base and paid up additions, PUA. And after a certain number of years, they just stop funding the PUA and use that premium to go start a brand new policy from scratch. And then they just keep doing that year after year after year until they have, I don't know how many policies. So we're going to dive into that and why we'll discuss, I'm just right off the bat. We are not in favor of that. It doesn't make sense to us. Um, it's not how Nelson intended it. And um, it, it just doesn't pass the, the, the sniff test, the smell test for us. So why don't we dive into a couple of reasons, Paul, what, what do you think? What, why is that not something that we would recommend? What are you laughing about? A smell test? Yeah, there's actually something, there's actually a medical thing called the whiff test. And uh, if any of our nurses are listening, they'll know what that is. That's but a anyway. medical? Th I thought it started, I didn't no. know that started in the medical world. It's Well, I don't it's, know if it started there. That's but a legitimate that is a test. My kids do it every time they get the milk out of the fridge because yep. I might be known to keep expired milk in the fridge. So no, the, that's the, the, the sell-by date used by sell-by. Yeah. I, I there's, tell them there's, that's, that's phony. It's like Nelson talking about the uh, the term, you know, the the velocity not to exceed the V and E of an aircraft. You know, it says 100 and whatever, but it's really eh, maybe five or ten percent beyond that, right? Right. The, they always build in some slop. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Right. Anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Laddering. Laddering. Yeah. So why do we not agree with that? Um, with that way of building your 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 policies, your building your banking system. Yeah, and I haven't dug too deep into laddering or or seen like a you know a detailed explanation of it uh, from anyone in our community. Maybe there's something out there, but to me, it just doesn't make any sense, right? One of the biggest hangups people have about the infinite banking concept and dividend paying whole life insurance, the product, is that there's some startup costs, right? There's a there's right. a there's a capitalization phase to building this this business or this banking system, right? And they don't like that because, you know, everyone wants instant gratification, whatever. Cash on cash in year one, and it's it's, it's great. So I don't, anyway, so if that's your biggest hangup, I don't know why you would want to keep doing that every, I don't know, pick an arbitrary period of time, every four to five yeah, or six or seven years, years or something, yeah. right? I don't know why you would do that because I, f I feel like you're, limiting, um, especially later on down the road, you're limiting the potential of that specific policy that you started four or five or six years ago. Right. And I, it just doesn't, it doesn't pass the whiff test. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the way I, I talk about it is like starting a fire. It's like building a fire. Like you want you have the intention to build this giant fire to produce a lot of heat to keep your family warm. Like it's a really cold night, you're outside, you need a big fire to keep you warm. Well, so you get the first fire going and it takes a long time to get, you know, you need the kindling, you need, you know, the small logs and then the big logs. And finally that thing is self-sufficient. You just throw a log on every once in a while and keep it going. And it's putting off a lot of heat. Well, you could continue either putting those logs of wood onto that fire and keep it 
super hot or even make it hotter and bigger. Or you could take that wood and walk over here and start a brand new fire from scratch, right? More kindling, more small logs, more, you know, just a little flame at the beginning. And then finally, eventually you're getting some real heat out of it. Like, I don't understand why you would want to do that. Why not just focus all like the logs you have on that one roaring fire up until you've used all the logs available and then you got to go start a new one, you know, go, go cut down new trees and start a new fire some, some other time, like get another policy because you've max funded this one over here, right? It, it makes no sense. It's like building a business too. You know, some people, these serial entrepreneurs, like I, we probably all know somebody who jumps around from one thing to another. They'll spend a year building this like online marketing business. And then, oh, you know what? The shiny nickel over here, I'm going to go do a, a drop ship business. And they, they never really put everything into that first business. After 10 years, they've started 10 businesses and have nothing to show for it. If yeah. they would have focused all that energy and attention on one business, how big could they have grown that? Right? Because it takes time to get going. So that's, that's kind of the, the analogy that I see it as. Yeah, and, and to use Nelson's, I'm wondering if I could do the airplane uh, example here where, you know, the airplane is going to get more efficient because right. it's burning off gas and it's getting lighter. Your vehicle, to an extent, is doing that as well, though less so. It's, it's more significant for an airplane. But, you know, so by the end of the trip, that airplane can do things that it couldn't do when it took off because it's so heavy. Right. And I'm sure that's significant for you in the A-10. It was certainly significant for us in the Apache. That thing is a, she's, she kind of, she got big over the years. Yeah. Kind of little, <laughs> she gained, she gained some more than her freshman 15 or whatever. Uh, like the old. Uh, more like her freshman 2,500 pounds. The <laughs> homecoming queen from, from high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't, um, you know, you guys didn't arbitrarily aerial refuel. You did it when you when you had to, right? That's the expansion. Right. We want to keep it. We want to keep it going. But we've already got that. We've already got that much of the trip complete. We're not going to turn around and go refuel and then you know add some external tanks and whatever and go, and go back, right? So, or you could use the planting a tree. You know, you're just getting this tree going. It's going to start bearing fruit, and then you start ignoring it and plant another tree. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Right? Yeah. So, again, Dave, I I don't know where this movement comes from. Uh, our, our clients certainly aren't going to get it from us. Uh, expansion of your of your infinite banking system is going to occur naturally. And we've touched upon that in, in past episodes. When you've got money stacking up in somebody else's bank, and you've got your premiums allocated, your policy loans are, are repaid, or you've made provisions to repay them, perhaps. Uh, maybe you're expecting a windfall, and maybe that windfall can open up that new policy. But we're going to have that conversation. It's not going to just happen arbitrarily. We're going to take a... The other, the worst part, Dave, is some people use policy loans to do this laddering, don't they? Yeah, right. So, I mean... Is it that much different? You either stop paying the premium and use that money or you borrow or you fund the full premium and then borrow your cash value to go start a policy, which is probably more effective if you have the means to pay it, pay that loan back. 
but it's not something that, in fact, it's not something life insurance companies like. They don't want you to borrow no. from one insurance policy to to start another. In fact, they're going to ask that question: Is this premium coming from a current policy? That's right. That is that is a question they ask. Now, I always teach my folks, and I know you do as well, that we should endeavor to pay the premium with new money each and every year. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So. You know, and then practically speaking, there's also, you know, with some companies, I don't know if it's the same with every, but with one of our favorite companies, if you stop funding the PUA at say year five, because you're using that money to go start a new policy, and then you don't fund the PUA year five, six, seven, well, now what they're going to do is take the average PUA that you paid over those seven years, and that's the most you can pay in year eight and beyond. That's right. Um, so I think a lot of companies do that. Yeah. So now you're you're and not only that you've you've cut off you you've essentially cut off the legs of your policy. You know, of sprinting, and you cut it back down to a walk. Um, not just that, but now you're probably carrying a lot more term insurance than that policy needs. Which there's nothing wrong with that because that's more life insurance, right? But that just means there's less per room for permanent insurance uh, in, in your new policy. Yeah, we were talking uh, before we hit the record button about, you know, kind of using up your insurability. Right. Right. Like if you keep doing this and you're, you're, what's important to understand about these policies is that you're, what you're underwritten for isn't necessarily going to, it, it, it's not going to equate. It's going to, you're going to be underwritten for, you know, a bit more than the policy produces in year one. Right. Yeah. And you know, and you can make that number spread quite a bit with uh, with certain design elements. But generally, you're gonna have you're always going to have more underwriting than you do year one death benefit, even yeah. with the PUA and all that stuff. Um, so by doing this over and over and over again, you you've got to be eating up Sherman Sherbet. Now, no, you could be making more money. Okay, great. But I but it's still, why would you just keep starting over? Pay yeah. that old PUA that's now seven years old. Pay that on yeah. policy one. Don't open up, you know, policy seven or policy three with yeah. that PUA money. It just there's yeah. there's no reason to try to trick the system. I think it's a way people are looking like, oh, I yeah. can trick the system and make this better than than what it you know what it is right now. You can't. Just keep it simple. Fully max your first policy until you've completely maxed it and you're still accumulating capital somewhere else. And then it's time to just organically, it's time to open up another policy and start funding that until your means increase and you got to open up another one after that. So just yeah. makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And when in doubt, you know, Nelson Nash's book, his first book, Becoming Your Own Banker, obviously, and second book, Building Your Warehouse of Wealth, you know, he didn't discuss these things. Now, those books are guides. Um, but they're, but they're good guides. And, and I've watched the, the, you know, the, the video series and I've watched other videos of, of Nelson and, and other folks that were close to them and laddering and, and using this strategy, uh, which I think is, I kind of think it's more like a marketing gimmick is, is not mentioned and it's not encouraged. So st stick, the, the path has already been laid out for us. He already showed us the way. All we have to do is is just keep walking down the path. Right. 
Yeah, there's no need to keep continually trying to reinvent and put a new twist on something that's already, it's already working. So it's uh so here's another example of a company trying to put a twist on something that's already working is uh talking to somebody recently who got a whole life policy from a company a couple years ago that decided to create this new product and i forget exactly what it's called but it, essentially the dividends are tied to the index so you get some you know, sort of index you some sort of index i don't know what what stock index but it's tied to some index well, guess what's happened for the last two years of this policy? He's received zero dollars in dividends. Zero. That's two wasted years because this company decided to do something fancy and try to make whole life insurance a little more sexy. And in turn, they're in zero on it. So it's it's just unfortunate when people try to take something that like this is this is a great product in and of itself for the purposes of banking. You don't need to add from it, you don't need to subtract from it. Yeah. And I don't know if other agents listen to this podcast or not, but I think people should just do better. Agents. Right? Yeah. Yeah. For, I mean, for sure. And in company and companies too, like you've got good products. Whole life is a great product. Again, stop. I don't, we don't try to make IVC better than it is. Stop trying to make these products better than they are. I, I don't necessarily care what the gross dividend declared rate is from company A, B, or C. I don't. I care that I receive the dividend. And right. it may be bigger than my original illustration. It might be a little bit less. Maybe it's close. I just want it. So whatever you have to do to keep paying me and my clients and all of us policyholders dividends, please keep doing that. Yep. Little thing called uninterrupted compounding. I'm a big fan. Yes. Yeah. Right on. All right. Did we beat that dead horse enough, you think? I think so. I think so. Um, let's go to something completely different. And it's something I've ran into a, a little bit lately, well, in the past, um, through clients coming in. and you know, I got one right now. Yeah, so do I. Uh, and it's fine. But um, it just limits, limits the effectiveness of your policy. And that's um, marijuana use. So it's becoming a lot more prevalent, right? A lot more commonplace, even amongst professionals. And, you know, Paul and I are both still in the military, so obviously we don't partake. And, um, but, you know, those that do, I think some of them probably think that they can't do this strategy. They can't get whole life insurance because they use marijuana. Sure. Um, that's not the case. Um, and I've got a handful of clients that, you know, as proof, um, the difference is, with one company, you may get a tobacco rating because they just view it as anything else you would inhale. And, um, you know, they they have different risk profiles. And other companies, they, you know, as long as it's not excessive, whatever that definition is, then, um, then it's no big deal to them. So, you know, different companies have, have different views on it. Yep. Yeah, some companies you might get tobacco rates. And for you know, for the pricing of the insurance, and for some companies, you may may not be probably not getting it. I don't know. Have if you've gotten with some other companies, Dave, have they gotten better than standard or whatever? Oh yeah, yeah. I got uh with one company the the top rating non tobacco. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing how the different underwriters and the different companies. Uh, it's really a culture thing. 
Um, I tend to lean toward the more conservative underwriting uh, type view of the world, I suppose. And because uh, it, it, makes, it makes sense. Like, hey, if you want to smoke cigars, you're going to get tobacco rates. Hey, th- and that's okay. If you want to smoke more than like twice a year. So. Yeah, but at least you're underwritten for it. You're underwritten. Um, you know, we have a, a, a shared client that's a, a pretty prolific scuba diver. And he's done some certain things that, uh, you know, have caused, you know, him to have some some extra premium. Mm-hmm. But he's going to have life insurance where he can do those things. And it's not, you know, he can do those things. And if he, if he were to die doing those things, the, the policy would pay out. Right. The company wants to pay out the policy. So, um, you know, there's something there's something to be said for that. You are underwritten for it. And hey, okay, great. Token the ganja. Yeah. So, um, yeah, whatever that is. uh, I don't think we've talked about hazardous activities either. So that's just so you know, go back to the the whole smoking, tobacco, non-tobacco, marijuana usage. Tobacco ratings are 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 so detrimental to your banking system. Um, they are. Basically, can, I think it almost doubles the cost of insurance. It really it, I, it really hinders. Uh, what it does is just raise the cost of, yeah, uh, per thousand dollars of coverage, it's going to raise that cost. So more of your don't premium. Quote me on that. I was, I was just looking at an illustration. I thought it was it was a term policy that I was selling, and I, term I, I may thought be the different. premium... Yeah, on the term, it basically doubled the premium almost. Yeah, well, I just read it. It definitely doesn't double with whole life. I just ran a kind of a side by side illustrative on a fifty one year old putting the same premium in two policies: standard tobacco and standard non tobacco. And the difference was about ten years into the policy was about six percent in cash value, and about twenty percent in death benefit. Not insignificant. Not insignificant at all. Um, Yeah. You know, in that's fact, gonna I, get, that gap is going to is going to grow. Sure. Yeah. Because in the beginning, it's like 2% difference in cash value and 15% in death benefit. But as time goes on, though, yeah, that delta gets larger and larger. So I'm telling you, in fact, I had a meeting with a client last week. We went out for coffee and um, I was like, hey, you still using tobacco? He just, you know, uses dip. And he said, yeah. I was like, well, if you ever quit, let me know because we can go back and get that rating removed. And you'll make more money. And he's like, oh, well, that might be enough motivation. So he uh, he told me after that meeting, he's like, yep, finished off my can yesterday and I'm going to quit. So, wow. you know, a year before his next anniversary, we'll call up the company and maybe go through another uh, lab exam and get that rating removed. Um, and that'll yep. save him. It'll earn him more money. Plus, you're spending less money on, on uh, you know, products like cigarettes or it, whatever it, right it's a it's a win-win i remember in the old days in the 80s people were like oh if i stop smoking i'm gonna gain 20 pounds i'm like <laughs> uh i don't know i mean in some countries they live off cigarettes and and bread yeah um, eastern eastern europe right romania it's like everybody yeah. there is cigarettes and bread and coffee yep, that's it, basically they all they smoke yeah um in fact i was in new hampshire over the weekend a lot of smokers in New Hampshire. Is it the north? Is it a northeast thing, an east coast thing? I don't know. We can talk about it after we stop recording, and I'll tell you why. Okay. <laughs> I have a, I have a theory that I heard okay. a long time ago. I always like it when we hit stop 
and then I really get to hear what Paul thinks. <laughs> yeah, you know? I'm very caged on the. He's on caged. The live. He's very candid in real life. Yeah. So <laughs> you actually get to know him in real life. Uh, so okay, yeah. Well, other hazardous activities: so scuba diving, paragliding, sure. parachuting, flying, aviation, aviation private on a aviation, private specifically. aviation is so, very uh yeah they don't like that gliding like gliders like yep. they don't like don't. racing any kind of racing they yep. don't like that stuff um if you're a pilot i've got a lot of pilot clients because that's yep. a lot of my network so if you're a commercial pilot scheduled airline yeah you should not have any issue as long as you have some experience in that yep. jet you know you've been flying for a couple of years and you got enough airmanship and all that but uh yeah Mil military maybe maybe not Kind of depends on what you fly. Yep. Um, but if you have any of those hazardous activities, skydiving is a <clears throat> yeah. is a no. Skydiving. I had a. I went to one company. And we got a uh, like a table rating for a skydiver. So what he table? was still insured. I think it's just table B. Oh, that's not so terrible. Not, not terrible. Um, yeah. Sure, takes a bite out of the the it banking does. capabilities, but. You can still get insured. And if you drop that hazardous activity in the future, um, you can come back and we can talk about, talk to underwriting about trying to get it removed. Right. And, and see what they say. Yeah. Right? I think a lot of your underwriters, and, you know, I can't speak for every single one of them. If you have a certification, they're going to, the assumption is, is that you're going to continue to do it at some point in your life. Yeah. Yeah. But if you make a statement, um that you're not going to do it anymore a warranty um, yeah then maybe maybe you'll be good but just yeah you know you got to be honest about it because if you go back and you go skydiving a, a month after you got that activity removed and you got a better rating um that probably opens up the contestability window again that i'm not sure of but there's a yeah. two-year contestability window that life insurance companies that when you die it or if you die within the first two years they're going to do an investigation and and see if there's any reason uh, that you you flat out lied on your application, um, so yep. they could contest it. So yep. just keep that in mind. You got to be honest. And let's pretend if that occurred, Dave, the beneficiaries would receive the premiums that had been paid. They would not receive the death benefit if the if they were able right. to successfully contest you know, fraud basically. Yeah. So you'd get those premiums back, but you wouldn't get, you'd be out the, you know, the millions of death benefit that, sure. that uh, the beneficiaries expected. Yep. So bottom line is there's no reason, you know, we're going to make you be honest. Um, cause you, cause you need to be, cause I'm probably underwriting, you know, you're going through underwriting a company that I part own and I want it to be profitable. Good point. Yep. Yep. Very true. And we want to, you know, keep it that way for all of our other clients too. I don't want one, you know, a handful of people yep. kind of messing it up for everybody else. So cool. Um, yeah. We get time it's, for this last topic. Yeah. We got a couple minutes. Um, we, we got a couple minutes here. So yeah, we were, uh, we were talking about this earlier and thought, I don't think we've really covered it here, but, uh, maybe a lot of people have heard about something called like a life insurance line of credit. So what's, what's that, Paul? Well, a lot of your, some of your companies um, actually encourage, openly encourage and have relationships with certain lending institutions that do these things. So they makes the, it makes the, the process of getting the, the life insurance line of credit easy, 
right? Right. So, you know, and of course, it's the non-direct or the direct recognition companies, right? Um, or the ones that you aren't able to request loans online. In the first, yeah, is, if you can't get a loan in the first year, policy loan. Anyway, so yeah. we use companies that you can do IBC with. That's why we use them. Um, yeah, and you can do it right away. And you can do it right away. Yeah. So, so basically, where you would collateralize your policy cash value and get a line of credit seemingly at a lower interest rate, although I'm not sure that's true right now. Right. Um, but maybe, maybe it is. It's probably, maybe it's fairly close. I don't know. Um, but that was always the, the last few years, that's been the, the, um, the attraction to this type of thing where, hey, the policy loan rate is, you know, 6%, but I can go get this line of credit at three and a half, secured line of credit, right? Because it's collateralized. Yep. Um, but you and I were talking, Dave, and and sure, the banker can do whatever he wants, but that violates one of Nelson's rules. Don't do business with banks outside of checking or savings. And you also cede some control over your your whole life insurance contract. You do. You absolutely do. You know, you, you so, give up control for the convenience of having this immediate line of credit. And maybe it's you have 20 different policies. You could combine the cash value of all of those policies for a line, of, a single line of credit, which yeah. would sure make things simpler, right? You only have one account you're taking loans from and paying back towards, um, but you're giving up control because somebody else is holding the collateral on your policy, which is probably your biggest asset. Yeah, and if you had had your line of credit through SVB, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that would look down. like. <laughs> That'd be shut down. And guess what? If your policy is collateralized, the life insurance company is not giving you a loan. Yeah. Because they're going to say, no, that, that company's collateralized all your, until they tell us that you fully repaid all of that loan or whatever, um, we cannot do that. Yeah. It would certainly create an interesting scenario. Um, so anyway, it's not my cup of tea. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not going to disparage anyone that's doing that. I, people, again, the banker can do whatever he wants or right. she wants. So uh, if you want to go do those things, great. If that, if that works for your life and your lifestyle and your business or whatever, hey, more power to you. Um, I'm trying to be more of a purist over here. And if, you know, I don't I, I don't have 20 policies or 20 or 30 policies or 49 or whatever, like Nelson had it at one time, but I do have several, uh, more than, more than, what's several, three or four? <clears throat> a few is three. I would say several is more than three. Yeah, I agree with that. So I have Let's several. That. Yeah. yeah. And um, I don't find it overly difficult to manage, even though I have two different logins and whatever, but it's uh, I don't find it overly difficult. But uh, I do understand the appeal. Yeah. And I, I mean, think... I, I... Oh, Go sorry. Ahead. I was going to say, maybe they're able to write off some of that interest too. Oh, yeah. Right? Because so, it's coming well, from... Actually, a... I don't think... Or no? I don't think you can do that. I think Trump put an end to that, actually, the, at least for HELOCs. Oh, you can't, right. You can't write off HELOC interest, which was a real bummer. That was um, a bummer. That's right. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it's probably pushed people to use those more responsibly now. Yeah. Yeah, know, I bet you it has. Because, I don't know, uh, governments have a way of, of dictating behavior without dictating mm. it, like encouraging yeah. behavior in one sure. way or another, right? Which the tax code is nothing but a uh, behavior modification plan. That's what it is for your money. So keep working millions on welfare, depending on you. 
Well, and, and all of our uh, international creditors are depending on us to produce the taxes that pay the bill for yeah, the interest worry. that we pay. Don't worry. We'll just print the money and give it to them. Yeah. We'll just, hey, it's like, like Doritos. Eat all you want. We'll make more. <laughs> Spend all you want. We'll print more. That's the Fed's <laughs> motto. Uh, yeah. Awful. Yeah. All right. But anyway, that's what that is. Um, again, if you want to do that stuff, great. Um, don't come to me and ask me how to do it or whatever, because I, I, I don't do it. Yeah. And just really, it goes back to what we say about life insurance all the time. There's there's no deals on life insurance. There's only trade-offs. This is a trade-off. More convenience, maybe slightly better arbitrage on the loan rate, yeah. um, but you're giving up some control. Yeah. So you got to know what you're giving up. Yeah. I like the convenience of not having to repay policy loans. I pay them at my convenience rather than having a payment schedule on that line of credit as well. True. And uh, the insurance company is not going to call my policy loan due. Nope. Like and they so call I, line of credit. It always goes back to control for me, Dave. Control yeah. over the banking function. The whole purpose of doing this is to become your own banker. And yep. anyway, so that's that's how I, that's how I see it. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. But hey, go to the show notes, register for the webinar coming up on April 20th, 7 p.m. Central Time. So if you haven't done that, just go straight to the show notes. You'll find the link. And uh, and we'll see you guys there. So until next time, control your capital. Or somebody else will. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at the And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.